Hey, welcome back. This is the Fantasy Rugby Inks Podcast. My name is Jared Dyke. Once again, we are recording from just outside Boston, Massachusetts. Thank you very much for joining us. We are on episode five. This is round two of Europe. We are reviewing. This will be the last episode for a little while. More on that later. But thanks for coming along, and hopefully I can keep you entertained for the next hour while you're on your commute or whatever you're doing. Okay. There were a lot of names I messed up last week, and I will 100% cop to that. Um, I think I called Sofiane Keaton Gautier. I was like, oh, wait a second. That name sounds familiar, but that's not who that is. So uh, that's just one example of the many names I probably messed up last week. My bad. Totally 100% take responsibility for that. And if uh, you thought I should have done better, you're right. I should have. But that's that's all we got for that. I'm going to just apologize for it and move on. Okay, so before we get into the real good stuff, I I have a thought. Yes, that is terribly shocking to some of you, I'm sure. But I had a thought on Christian Wade and his the recent rumors that have him coming to the to America to play in the NFL. Okay. Can Christian Wade make more money on an NFL practice squad than he can in the premiership? There's a chance of that. Okay, there's a chance of that. But it's a, that's a miserable existence. And if you're just going for the cash, I have two thoughts. One, why? Two, just go play in France. If you're tired of being looked over, Go play in France. They have so much money, they don't know what to do with it. They're throwing money at mediocre to good players. Just go play in France. So start with that, number one. Even the bad teams are just throwing money at problems. So if you're after cash, I would advise not trying to make your cash on an NFL squad. The change to the game isn't so easy. Take, for example, and I know the... The rugby um, code is not the same. It's rugby league and not rugby union. Yes, that guy, Jared Hain from Australia. I don't remember what club he played for. I don't follow league. So for those of you that are league aficionados, sorry. Um, But yeah, he came for one year, tried to be a punt returner. Didn't do bad. And, you know, the problem was with him was he didn't get any reps in any game action, really. And there's no B team to play. There's none of that. So in order to get better, you have to play. And if you haven't played for most of your life, this is going to become a real problem. So my advice is definitely to just play play either in England for your current club who actually want you, despite the fact that Eddie Jones doesn't. Listen, Eddie Jones has gotten a lot of decisions wrong. I don't think Christian Wade is necessarily one of them. Does he have a lot of speed? Sure he does. There are so many players on England right now that have been picked that have speed. And also there's guys that are still sitting at home that have plenty of speed to go as well. So, And I think that speed is mostly Christian Wade's skill set as well. I think he can probably he, – he needs to get better at a lot of things. There are other wingers that are better at things besides speed than him. So, if that made sense. Um, point being, there are, there are better wingers out there. They do what Christian Wade does, and they do more. That's the difference. Burning speed isn't enough to get you on an international team. It might be enough to get you on a you know Tier 2 international team, say for us over here in the U.S. But it's not enough to get you on a team that's got the expectations of an England, an Ireland, uh, Australia, uh, South Africa, New Zealand, a, you know, France, it's not enough. Sorry. So, you know, if you're looking for cash, maybe Wasp can pay you a little bit more. If you really want to get some cash and, you know, I would still strongly advise against the NFL thing, go play in France. They have loads of money. They're throwing money at problems 
and they don't even know if it's the right answer. They're just throwing money at it. They're spending money for fun. I, I mean, if you're not going to play for England, what difference does it make if you're playing in France or if you're playing in England? Play the At least play something you know and not something you're going to have to learn. Oh, yeah, you're an athlete. Great. Every NFL player is an athlete. Take it from some of the college kids that are great college players over here and then all of a sudden just disappear into the abyss because they get to the NFL and it's a totally different game. So my advice to you, stay parked at Wasp in Coventry or wherever you live and play your rugby, maybe get some extra cash from Die Young or whoever is in charge of the checkbook over there and just do do your job. End of story. Okay, so that's my bit on that. Let's have some fun with the fantasy. Um, so let's look at some aspects that we can talk about a little bit more now, now that we have two games under the belt. There are things like, obviously, team scoring the most points. So Leicester, or not Leicester, Leinster, sorry. <laughs> Joke's on you, Tiger fans. Um, so Leinster have got 79 points. They are far and away the most, the highest point scorers right now in the in the tournament. Um, you know, the, the thumping they gave to Wasp last week on Friday night was pretty much the root cause of that. But, yeah, so that's that. And then followed by Rassing, Leicester. Seriously, it's Leicester. Edinburgh, surprise, surprise. That's a huge surprise. I don't mean that. I was going to say it sarcastically, but really it is a surprise. Um, and so Edinburgh and Bath. Leicester, Edinburgh, and Bath all have 55. Toulouse uh, following the, those guys up with 50 and getting down. You're getting down into the 40s after that. So there's that. And as far as tries go, um, Surprise, surprise, with all the points they've scored. Leinster up there again with 11. Rassing with 7. Bath with 7. Leicester with 6. Munster with 6. Toulouse with 6. Edinburgh with 6. And then a host of other guys with uh, other teams with 5 or below. Or five, yeah, 5 or below. So there's that. Um, meters carried, as I said, it has a significance, but it's not a otherworldly significance like it, like it is in the the rugby magazine premiership fantasy that uh, we play most of the year but just to look at and see what teams are making meters hand over fist Cardiff Edinburgh Leinster surprising Ulster Toulouse and uh, Rossing so there's some common themes in here there's some common teams in here start to kind of put that together Obviously, there's a team. These are teams that all have at least won one game, if not two, as well. So keep that in mind. Um, players to consider. Obviously, you, you everybody has a goal kicker. So who is the biggest point scorer, especially in terms of goal kickers these days? Well, it's none other than Joel Hodgson from the Newcastle Falcons. Who would have thought? Yeah, that. High-scoring, high, highly praised Joel Hodson. And if you can't tell, I'm super, super sarcastic right now. Um, good for Joel Hodson, though. He's really been driving that bus for the Falcons during this, during the first two rounds of this tournament. So good for him. So Joel Hodson has 27 points. Ford has 25. Freddie Burns. I'm gonna have to. I have to make sure I note that because both Burns brothers are in this competition. So George Ford, Freddie Burns. Gareth Anscombe, Johnny Sexton. Um, Ford and Burns have 25. Anscombe and Sexton have 22. Hodgson's up there with 27. Uh, followed by Sexton and Anscombe are followed by Joey Carberry and Ron Pinar with 21. And then there's Julianne Demora from Cast with 20. Uh, Tomas Ramos with 20 from Toulouse. Garen Steenthe. Gareth Steenson from Exeter with 20, and Finn Russell from Rassing with 19. So those are your top point scorers in terms of goal kickers. So if you have one of those guys, you're probably doing all right. If you don't, then maybe have a look at 
maybe shuffle in your your lineup for that when round round three comes up in a couple weeks. And I say a couple weeks, I mean a month. <laughs> More than a month, actually. It's almost two months, isn't it? Yeah, it's in December. I know that. So have have that thought when you come back to it. Uh, try scores. Try scores are obviously big ones. If you have any that are scoring for forwards, it's always a good thing. Um, so the man whose name I could not pronounce last week, Sofiane Guiton has three. Maxime Medar is tied with him at three. So that should be a hint right there. Toulouse are scoring tries even when they don't win. They're scoring tries. Or actually, no, they've got both wins, but um, when they don't win pretty, and they haven't won pretty, I'll tell you that much right now. But they've certainly turned into uh, some European um, stalwarts again. So, and then, so there's a host of other players with two. Manitou Lange has two. He scored two and two. Jacob Stockdale scored two and two. Sean Cronin has scored two and two. Uh, James Lowe has two from the other week. Gareth Davies has two. Um, he's scored one each week so far. Elad Summerhill, he scored two uh, this past weekend. Uh, Stuart McNally from Edinburgh, he's got two from two. And Tafa Fanua from um, Toulon, big big lock. He's got two in two weeks. And Luke McGrath had two last week. So those are your try scores to name. Um, just kind of note, I consider the cutoff of value at this point or of note two tries because even a blind squirrel finds a nut. You know, I've scored a try, not in this competition, obviously, but I've scored a try in my lifetime. So that's easy. But scoring two and three at a shot is a different story. So if you can continuously score tries, you're clearly, you clearly know where the line is. So keep that in mind. Obviously, there's some guys out there that are probably in the tries that just haven't quite clicked into form. That's going to be a little bit of discussion and certainly if there are teams that are conceding points left and right um, that's going to be a huge problem as well uh, um, so here's some here's some more fun stuff uh, meet again we talked about meters so there are the players that have are leading the competition in meters gained so far are James Lowe he obviously had a great day last Friday and didn't really let down this past weekend for Leinster. Uh, Michael Lowry from Ulster. Misa Rockenduni from Bath. Gareth Anscombe from Cardiff. Blair Kinghorn from Edinburgh. And Jason Woodward from Gloucester. So those are some individual names to continue to keep an eye on as we go through this. Uh, All right, let's, let's talk about some slightly more interesting rugby. Um, quick note before I get too deep into the games. Um, two quick notes. One, I really, really, really understand the initiative for the for world rugby and for European rugby, whatever their official designation is, to get the tackles lower. But we have to be a little bit more sympathetic with some of them. I saw some cards this weekend that were atrocious and I get it all oh, you're trying to change behavior some of them are not cards they wouldn't have been cards they're, they're not cards in either case like they're not malicious they're not nasty they're not they're you know slips if anything I don't know what to do sometimes penalties too but you know especially the cards um so be a little more sympathetic I know it's safety and I know they're waiting for they're they're trying to avoid people having health scares down the road and it's appreciated for all players, I promise, but referees be a little more sympathetic, you know, understand when it's just a penalty and when it's a card, please. And when it's nothing. Uh, Also referees get players off the floor on the wrong side of the ball. And what I'm talking about is tacklers will make tackles and then they have a habit of rolling into the scrum half's legs because the big problem and I see it for myself is for somebody like myself as a forward is if I'm coming in to clear out that ruck, I have two choices. I either step on that person, which they don't want us to do, but it happens anyway sometimes, or I have to jump over them. And then I come into a clear out uh, in, you know, not, not in the best 
shape, not in the best position, and I either come down on top of the ruck or I come down on top of somebody. So it just that's how I see it. And, you know, I'm not a high-level rugby player by any means, but I'm just telling you how I see it. So get guys off the floor and get them out of there. Start penalizing players for doing that because that slows the game down. And, and I know we're trying to speed the game up. You want to speed the game up? You can clean up the rucks, but if you don't clean that up, that's the rucks will matter none. Get those guys away from the scrum half and the and the clear out players' feet. Have them come out the side; they'll be fine. Okay, so let's let's talk some actual actual rugby. I'm done getting off getting on my soapbox and all that crap. Uh, Leicester versus Scarlets. Big return for the Tigers to Europe. It was a 42-27 final. Scarlets are one of those teams you want to keep an eye on because now that they've lost two, keep an eye on what they do in round three in the next batch of games for Europe. If they lose, and especially if they lose bad, they, st- they might start to mail it in. So consider that for players that you might have on Scarlets and also players that you might have on teams that are going to play Scarlets. So just something to keep in mind. Um so Leicester, it looked pretty good. They had uh, they were on good. They had good pace when they were receiving the ball. Ben Youngs, being Ben Youngs, he's one of the better uh, scrum halves out there in the world. Uh, but in the end, the Leicester game plan was pretty simple: give the ball to Manu Tuolangi. He was just terrorizing Scarlets. Somebody has to teach these guys how to tackle Manu. It's basically just throw yourself at his legs because if you try and tackle him up high. He's going to bowl you over, and he's going to probably still be on his feet and run. So uh, Manu looking good. I'm sure Eddie Jones was happy to see that. <laughs> Manu got named man of the match and had himself a little smirk when that was announced. Um, not sure he was expecting it, honestly. We'll talk about aspects. It was good to see Will Spencer back out there. He actually got himself over the line, almost knocked it. But good to see Will Spencer back out there for Leicester. So those of you that uh, ha- might have L- Will Spencer in your premiership teams, he's back. We'll see if he participates at all in the cup competition coming up for them. Um, but if he doesn't, then I presume he'll be healthy. He might be play for them a little bit because he's probably rusty. Uh, Gareth Davies gets another one. Good movement. Good quickness. Good scrum half line on a gap off a... Uh, off a big gap that the Tigers left in their defense, and he and it was allowed to break. <laughs> uh, Jonah Holmes, the kid's playing unbelievable. He saved a try. Uh, for those that didn't see it, Blade Thompson from the uh, the blindside flanker, the six for Scarlets, was tackled, but basically was going to slide into the try area from five meters out. That's how wet it was. Um, the weather definitely caused issue with line outs as well. So Blade Thompson's sliding in and looks like for all purposes, he's going to score. And Jonah Holmes actually comes in and manages to dislodge the ball. So Blade Thompson knocks it on. So Jonah Holmes is making the most of his opportunity right now. Good for him. Um, uh, ben Youngs did have a one blunder that eventually led to Blade Thompson getting over the line. He had an awful exit. He was, I think it was too lateral or something. He went way too lateral on his on his kick, and it was not far down the field, and it was off to the side, away from the majority of his team. It was a very disjointed defensive line, so that was they got over the line that way. Blade finally gets one, but um, overall, good good stuff to. It was an overall good match. It was it was a wet day. Lineouts were very sloppy. That's that's the big key with um, the lineout steals. So I think in sloppy weather, you can probably bank on lineout steals coming in to affect quite a bit. So if you're if you have a player or you have an option to pick a player that's about to play in a very wet game, and maybe the other team's lineout is strong, maybe not. But in either case, consider you got to steal some points. Sometimes you, not every player that you're going to play is going to pile on the points they're gonna you gotta be able to get over the line in other ways too so line out steals and stuff like that that's that's a way to that's one way to think um but yeah scarlets were a little undisciplined in this game they had they had at one point i think they had seven straight penalties so not 
not great. Uh, Scarlets are in a world of hurt. Go back to the Pro 14, having lost the last two. One of them, they can probably feel a little bit like they should have had it, but this was definitely Leicester's night. They played, they played their brains out and got the got the result they deserved. All right, Gloucester and Munster. This was a good one. Real another just big knocker of a match. Just a lot of lot of hard hits. A lot of lot of bodies being thrown around. Uh, Munster had beaten Gloucester five of the pre- previous seven times. This was another one that went to Munster, thirty six to twenty two. Tillman Park was in good voice. It was a great atmosphere. Tillman Park usually doesn't disappoint in that. Um, both lineouts again struggled early. It was another not so pretty day in in Cork. So it's in Cork, right? I'm not losing my mind. But yeah, another beautiful day at Tillman Park, and I mean that in a very sarcastic tone. If you couldn't tell, they say it's not a very good joke if you have to explain it. Uh, in either case, both lineouts struggled with uh, with a not so not so uh, kind ball. A uh, uh, couple of injuries that I want that I made note of: uh, Marias for Marais from Marias um, Marais from Gloucester went off. Uh, young hooker from Glo- from Gloucester Walker, I think was his last, was was his name. He came in, played sixty, uh, did all right, made some hits. Missed a lineout, but you know, got him got himself back on it. And then Tom Marshall came off for Gloucester as well. Ben Morgan had a stormer of a day, another big, big outing. Uh, certainly proving that Eddie made a good pick with him this past week. Joey Carberry proved to be too much for the Cherry and Whites. He claimed man of the match while causing them all sorts of problems. Uh, Joey Carberry is definitely a guy to look for because he is a He's definitely the, one of those attacking tens that has zero problem with going downhill. Uh, so good for him. It causes problems sometimes because it means, you know, your ten takes it in maybe one too many times. Often, just in general rugby play, in a general general rugby play, nothing to do with fantasy. But your ten takes it in one too many times. One gets himself hit pretty hard and comes off hurt, or you know. Even still, you look to play, and there's no first receiver, and your and your backs are split out wide, waiting for a pass to come that doesn't come for another three or four phases. Defense gets set, and the chance, whatever chance you might have thought was on, is gone. A uh, couple of cards that were definitely of note in this one: um, uh, Tom Savage, shoulder only on the on the clear out. I. I thought that the fact that they had to go to one, two, or I think they went to three or four different angles before they found one angle that justified this yellow card they gave Savage. Eh, play on, play on. Penalty only, okay. Eh, was it to head and neck? I didn't think so. Was it shoulder only? Yeah, okay, so penalty for sure. But was it to head and neck? Not in my opinion. Um, so... Once that's gone, once once he went into the bin, Munster made good with the made good as they should have with the extra man. Mike Haley goes over in the corner. Um, they did try and negate it a little bit with a with a long pen from Sips, but then the bad news, the real bad news comes not too long after. Uh, Sips, Danny Cipriani gets a red card for um, scan, basically on hitting Scannell. With just a shoulder in his head, forcible contact. Oof, bit of a harsh red. And I suppose letter of the law, rule, rules being rules. Sure, I can understand why he gave a red, but there were some. They say that they need to observe mitigating circumstances. I was pretty sure Scandal was getting tackled. I don't remember by who. I think one of the Gloucester props was getting tackled from behind and more or less fell into Sips. And it, I was pretty sure we were trying to consider those things. Sips didn't complain. I'll give him that. Maybe he said something he shouldn't have under his breath, but he certainly didn't make a fit about it. So good for him for walking off and not 
making too much of it. Too much of a, a too harsh for me. Too mar- too harsh for me. After the red, Gloucester had minimal possession, and you knew it was going to be bad news for them. They they did not learn their lesson though. After getting the yellow to Savage and the red to Sips, twelve trees goes in pretty high and nearly gets himself sent off for at least a yellow. I think the referee felt a little bad for him and said penalty only. But man, he's he was lucky to avoid a bending as well. So maybe there might be something going on at Gloucester where they need to teach tackles lower. So maybe Sips' red card was justified. Who knows? After the 12 trees pen, Munster mauled it over, f- fell over the line. I think Arnold got it. Um, you know, eventually the floodgates opened. Uh, Carberry helped helped help bust him open with a good looking try. He he had advantage and he kept the ball in two hands. He made Gloucester think about what he was going to do with that ball instead of just tucking it and basically, you know, telegraphing what he was going to do. Sure enough, he finds a gap and slips in there for a try. So that's. That's good textbook work from Joey Carberry. That's a good one to teach the the, the youngins out there. Eventually, uh, eventually, uh, Gerber and Krobler gets over against his old team. He was back at Tillman Park after playing there last year. Um, I did have kind of a small issue with it, but because the match was out of hand, the try should have counted. But I'm wondering if the try because sh- the referee called advantage after at the end of it and. At the end of the, because um, it was there was a mall on the Munster five, and Gloucester eventually pushed it over with Glo- with a Grubler getting in. I thought maybe penalty try because Munster did pull it down illegally. The referee even gave the advantage to Gloucester afterwards. So if you know, you know a a mall going forward and illegally sacked, especially if it's going forward as well as I thought Gloucester's was usually results in a penalty try. So that's my thought on it. I know I said last week, you know, consider a warning, but I think there's certain ones that you just can't give a warning on. That was one of them. Warnings for collapsing malls are for ones that are kind of going, but kind of not. This one was going forward pretty noticeably. That was all for that. Um, Sips red card, Mars, a pretty good Munster win, and it was a pretty good match really in the end. I did feel like the TMO got a little overused at some points, but in the end, just the talking point, unfortunately, is going to be Sip's red card and not the match. Exeter and Cast. As I said last week, this is a ton of rugby to watch. I didn't get to this one, but uh, Cast break their duck against English squads and finally get one for them against, uh, against the Premiership teams. Sounds like it had a lot to go on. Uh, a lot. Of, it was a very watchable match. Uh, cast were playing with fourteen for a good portion of the match. Both teams had every intent of attacking. It seems, and it was great. So it sounds like it was great, great, uh, great to watch. I can just go through some, some of the more significant things. Santiago Cordero gets over for. Exeter, Kvesic gets over for Exeter. I don't know how Kvesic didn't get picked, but that's a, a different story for a different day. So it looks like Kvesic is probably going to be the eight-man uh, more regularly than not now that he hasn't been picked for England for Exeter. So those of you that are looking for Sam Simmons replacements coming up in the rugby mag um, fantasy, keep that in mind. Another Dane Balbach, Bialo. Gets over for a cast. Um, Demora had every intention of just hitting everything he could at the post. It seems like he had to dr- he hit a drop goal and a handful of pens until coming off. But his I guess his sub didn't miss a beat. Uh, Gareth Gareth Steenson got over for Exeter. Steve Moffy got over for Cast at the after the break. Handful of penalties were exchanged back and forth, and that was pretty much all the scoring right there. Uh, yellow for there was a yellow for Slade in the seventy first and a red for um, Vipolo. Uh, Vipolo. Um, so such is life for for Cast. They seem to find a way to win. You got to give credit to teams that find ways to win, even when 
you're down to 14. So good for Cast and good for them for shaking the hex that there was against the Premiership teams. Uh, on they move. I believe they will be playing. Uh, it's going to be Cat. It'll be Cast going to Tillman Park and then coming to, um, and then coming back home in the next round, as well as Exeter get to go to come back to Sandy Park to play Old Friends Gloucester and then go to Kings Home to play them in the second half of the home and home in the next set of uh, the next set of rounds for Europe. Okay, Wasp and Bath. This was watchable. Oof. Lots, 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 lots to look at, lots to talk about. Uh, first off, Nathan Hughes, have you not learned your lesson? Stay off your phone when you're around rugby. Nobody, you need to just put that thing, like, in your locker or something, but especially while rugby's going on, play, pay attention to your teammates. That's just my thought on that. Anywho, uh, Freddie Burns seemed to have put last week and his little debacle behind him. So good for him. Uh, Zach Mercer, another guy that proves proves like proves Eddie Jones right again. There was a lot of things that Eddie Jones probably got wrong with his selection for England. Mercer and Morgan look more and more like they were good selections. So good for both of them. So and good news for England. You don't have you may not have Billy Vernapola and you don't have somebody of that caliber, but it looks like Mercer and Morgan are going to be able to serve you in the back row for sure. So keep your heads up with that one. Uh, Wasp started this one a little rough in terms of injury. They lost Tommy Taylor and Tom Cruise both to injury. Um, Cruise came off for an HIA. Taylor, I think, also came off for an HIA. So they ended up having to use our old friend Ashley Johnson at hooker. Uh, had to make a lineup throw. Actually, didn't do bad. Completed it. So give him that. Uh, eventually, Cruz came back and passed his HIA. So they didn't have to keep Ashley Johnson on the field for too long, at least. Um, Wasps were guilty of some pretty lazy defending in the first half. Their props. I know they're like third or fourth fourth choice props, but you know they they were getting picked out by Bath, and the runners were going at either where the props had to be. And it wasn't just the props. I'm picking that on them because they were a little they're they're bigger and lazier guys to and easier to pick out. Um, but there there were some line breaks. I think it was was it right that got over the that eventually got over the line after getting a pop and then pu- the yeah um, through the middle right past past to uh, Walker. Walker gave it right back because Walker knew he didn't have the wheels to finish it. Uh, that was after some lazy defending from Wasp. The defending on the so Wasp got one. Uh, I think they did they get it back. Whatever it was, they did they did get one in the first half, despite the fact that their first half was not pretty. Um, Simpson and Joe Simpson and Josh Bassett hook up for a try back row. Got to pick your head up a little faster there. There, whoever that that flanker was on that side, got to pick your head up a little faster because they left. Um, I think it was their winger on that side, talking to Singa all alone to defend two guys that were running full steam ahead at him, hung him out, hung him out to dry a little bit, but it was a good finish. And even in that situation, you still have to complete the pass and score the try. So good for, good for Bassett and Simpson. Yeah. And just Wasp were a little cavalier with the ball. They were knocking it on at the back of scrums. They were throwing passes at guys' chests a million miles an hour. And really you just need, a little nice, easy touch pass. So they were definitely having problems in the first half. I'm sure Da Young gave him a good old. <laughs> he gave him. He tore him a new one of you know where. Yeah, I mean, and again to the Cavalier passing. Willie Larue gets intercepted by Rockin Duguni, a pass that he probably didn't need to give. Rockin Duguni is looking, 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 reading his eyes like a defensive back against. A quarterback in the NFL sees the pass thrown, knows where what to do with it, puts it in the other end. I thought the Francois Low yellow was appropriate. It was the it was above the horizontal. He didn't slam him down. He didn't come down on his head or neck. I think yellow was was uh, was the right call. Shame on Wasp for going over to the referee and saying, "Oh, it's a red. It's a red. It's, it's to the head and neck." The replay clearly showed not to the head and neck. Okay, so Wasp, shut your faces, 
get out of the referee's face, and go do your job. Let him do his. This coming from a guy that loves to bark at referees. And to the to Bath's credit, they did not concede any points with the with the low yellow. Um, as I as I stated before, Zavania from the Wasp, he had a stinker of a first half. Um, I was talking about not so good looking and not so um, hard working props. He was one of them, but he did come back. He redeemed himself. It was a nice second half score uh, that he got. Helped on one, and then and then uh, got himself over for for another. So. Uh, Kind of Jekyll and Hyde. Probably want to balance that out and be a little more consistent, but at least he made up for his stinker. Um, Joe Simpson made an absolute blunder of, of an error. Wasp had a huge overload on one side, and he decides let's go to get, let's go to James Gaskell. Now I like James Gaskell. He's a solid player. He is not going to make anybody miss though. He doesn't have the ability to. That's not his thing. He's got three, and he's three on one. He's got three bath defenders in him. He unless they're all you know, pint-sized, nobody interested in tackling type of players, he's going to get tackled. And he did. He got smothered into touch, if I'm not mistaken. Or he knocked it on, whatever it was. Completely brainless decision by by Simpson. Like, what made him want to do that? Did he get a shout from Gaskell? And one, why are you listening to Gaskell? Two, even if you get a shout from him, like, no, no, bad, bad decision, bad Joe. Um... He did have advantage. Oh, you know what? So he did have advantage, though. And eventually, instead of doing anything with that advantage, Wasp go to the corner. They not they concede the the ball in a in a mall, not coming out. So Bath get the scrum. Dope. Um, Bath came out a little disjointed in the second half. So that's what enabled certainly enabled Wasp to make the comeback they did. Oh, if I didn't mention it already, this game was a draw. 35-35? Yep, 35-35. Lots of scoring, lots of scoring. Um, we had another Ashley Johnson sighting. He ran a great line uh, with some after some great offloads from his teammates and got himself over the line to give Wasp their bonus point. Bath had already scored them. So Ashley Johnson giveth. Ashley Johnson taketh away. He had an absolutely disgraceful moment. After a scrum or after a ruck, whistle had blown. And he is putting knee. He he's doing the that annoying thing where you're trying. You're not really kneeing somebody, but you you're putting knees into somebody just to be a pain in the butt, pain in the ass. And he's doing it to. I think it's Ross Batty. And after about the fifth one, Batty finally says, "Dude, get off me!" and pushes him. Ashley Johnson hits the deck like he's been right hooked, like by Floyd Mayweather. It's so disgraceful. Ashley Johnson, you are just a shameful, shameful player. Be better, okay? Everybody sees it. This is why nobody gives you any respect. The crap like that you pull just infuriates everybody that's not... It's got to infuriate your fan base. Knock it the hell off, man. That's my piece on that. My goodness. Um, All right, back to the good stuff. Uh Charlie Ewell's big old lock gets over the line. Lo- love seeing a big old lock, lock go for a go for a stroll. Um, <laughs> there's a nice little no look pass from Jack pass from Jack Walker that made Shields and Gaskell look a little silly. Uh, Francois Lowe gets gets his due over the line. It was good to see um, Will Chudley in there for Bath. He's been in there the last two games. He made a transfer to from Exeter to there and has not been healthy enough to really play any of their matches yet. So I anticipate good things for Bath going forward with him as the scrum half. Uh, Thomas Young gets over after a uh, bit of a blunder from Freddie. That was great. Uh, I'm glad to see Thomas Young doing well. Again, I have my issues with um, Bath, uh, with Bath, with uh, Da Young, but I like, I do like his son, Tommy. He's a turnover machine. He pulls it. He will get you. He will get your team ball. I don't know if he's eligible to play for Wales. If he is, I hope, he eventually gets picked, and maybe he did get picked, and I'm just not, I didn't see his name on there, but I think he eventually belongs on an international team of some sort. The U.S. will take him. Kidding. There's no way it would happen. I don't think he's even, there's no way he's eligible, so yeah. <laughs> um, penalty for Bath right at the end. It was, yes, the the referee awarded it. Yes, the, bat, the Wasp player was trapped at the bottom of the ruck, but in the end, as I've always believed, it's the responsibility of the tackler 
to put himself in a position where he's not going to be trapped, gets penalized for it. But the um, replacement fly half for Bath misses it by just a bit, and the draw is eventually played out. And I think that was probably the right result. I think this was definitely an all bath first half and an all bath wa- or an all wasp second half with a little bit uh, from each team in the opposite halves, if that made sense. Edinburgh and Toulon. My goodness, Toulon, what is going on? That is a disaster over there right now to go, uh, what are they at, one point? Yeah, one. I think they have one point after that because they didn't get any bonus points on this one going up to Murray Field. But yeah, it's not one I. It's not one I watched, and I kind of wish I had watched that over one a couple of the ones I watched. But still, not to say that there wasn't anything watchable in the games out the other games I watched. But this sounds like it was a little bit more exciting just from the whole aspect of having Edinburgh, who's not really a European powerhouse by any means upset Toulon with the guys they have, especially with the likes of Bastereau back in the team. Crazy stuff. Um, yeah, so one, two, three, four. Four tries for Edinburgh. Um, sounds like Henry Piergos had himself a pretty good day. Stuart McNally keeps keeps his form going. Um, tough off anywhere from, from Toulon somehow still finds his ways to get himself over the line. Uh, but... Yeah, sounds like it was kind of a, a blitz for Edinburgh to start, and Toulon tried to hold off. But after their first conversion, after their first converted try, you had uh, one, two, three scores, uh, four scores of sorts. Well, three scores and that ended the half, and then an, another one for Edinburgh to come out of the half. So good on Edinburgh. Um, Toulon in deep, deep trouble. Now, this is not an un- insurmountable position to come from. They can still be, they may well still win the group. It doesn't mean that any team's got the group yet, even though they've won two, because it's not a foregone conclusion they're going to win any of the rest. So they still may yet win this thing. We'll find out. But good on good on Ember for rocking up and getting it. They, uh, they put a good performance in. Um, against Montpellier, from what I understood, I, that I feel bad. I haven't watched any of them yet. Guess I got to go back and watch both those matches. Um, but so sounds like they've got things going on there. Uh, Richard Cockerell is the DOR up there, if I'm not mistaken. So sounds like he's starting to get his magic going up there. Ulster and Racing. Um, <laughs> I have to say, non-rugby note, I had not actually seen Racing's new stadium. It's interesting. I'll say that. It's interesting. <laughs> Almost feels like an enlarged gym with that, especially with that huge scoreboard on one end. I don't, I don't, are they just trying? I guess I, I don't get the point of the huge scoreboard on, on the opposite end. I, I, it, but whatever. Hey, your, it's your field. You do as you see fit. But, uh, this was a watchable match. Oh, right up until Rossing turned it on for their third try. Uh, Ulster were looking looking like they might actually pull this off, uh, and then they um, got found out a little bit. Ben Russell was on fire. He was throwing the passes that he probably shouldn't throw, but still completing them, making kicks. He looked pretty good. There were a few a few takeaways from this that I'll that I'll get into. I I don't want to belabor or anything crazy. You know what? Let's start with this: the Billy Burns double double cross kick. <laughs> how he how he did it, they don't understand. But um it was crazy. Um d- got one across to Gilroy, should have offloaded it and got it I don't I didn't see who it was, maybe it was Addison that should have got over. But then they recycled and he does another one, which is not a bad idea when you think about it. The defense has already been sucked to that side. And if your wing is disciplined enough to stay home and the defensive wing uh, buckles in because they're they're chasing the ball, and it happens from now and again. We're all human. It's not a bad idea. And Stockdale was right on the wing and waiting for Billy's kick, and it was a great kick, great pair of kicks. So uh, looked good, and it looked like Ulster were turning it over from there. Um, and that was after after the Timoney yellow card. 
and he got a little help from Marty Moore on it. It was in the ruck. They both lifted, the two of them basically lifted him above the horizontal, but really it was Timoney that did it, um, was the sole, was the main driver of the, of the infraction. Um, he picked him up, he went above the horizontal, he didn't, he, I think he landed on his hands, so no big deal, did him, he, the guy did him a favor, and I also don't think he slammed him down too hard either, so that probably helped as well. No complaints from him, was fine. Teddy Toma does almost the same exact thing, or so we think. And then you get a look at the replay. Penalty. Picks him up, but doesn't really get him too... If he gets him above the horizontal, it's close. But it's also like he's going down with him, and it's kind of to the side and rolling him, not really trying to dump him, if that makes sense. Penalty only. Gets gets sorted out. Nobody really has much to complain about, really. Um... Uh, the the wrestling scrum half, uh, Chavot, got replaced. Non-injury. He was not happy. But I will give the wrestling coaching staff this. Um, Eriburn was great for that team. He was he was full of energy. He was uh, making guys make decisions on Ulster, really forcing the defense to question whether or not they were in the right position. He did a great job. Um, he's... He got he got one over the line after Klassen picked up at the back. It was kind of the same situation as uh, Simpson and Bassett. Uh, very good job, just isolating Stockdale. Why Stockdale didn't have any help down his weak side, I don't know. But they recognized it and they put it over the line. That was great. Uh, Juan Emoff was having a day. He was he and he and Tama were just running lines off um, line off the line breaks, just looking looking for one one pass, and I think they each got one. So looking, they looked really good. Um, yeah, Finn Russell had a nice little chip and chase, and that that that's where Tomas Teddy Tomas uh, try came from, and it, it just you know Ulster unraveled after the first after the first ten minutes of the second half. Really, just eh, you felt bad for him. It was a tough old game, and that was never going to end well. The way they they came, out, I feel like they came out of the second half a little flat. And Racing, they were finalists last year. They have the talent to be the finalist again, uh, be in the final again this year, and maybe win it. Don't count them out. You know, it's one of those teams that doesn't look pretty through the pool stages. Might win the quarter quarterfinal, kind of ugly, but then you know rocks you in the semi, and all of a sudden they're in the final, and they got a shot, and they stay within your shot. So, yeah, don't sleep on them. Uh, Zebo. Uh, Simon, uh, yeah, Simon Zebo <laughs> for pointing at Lowry was kind of the um, the the last talking point. And <laughs> listen, Zebo, this isn't the NBA. It's not the NFL. It's a slightly more respectful game. And I and this is going to sound a little bit hypocritical because I talked about Mara last week. And listen, he's not rubbing. He, <sighs> It's not poking fun at what Zebo did. It wasn't poking fun at the guy who, I don't remember who, uh, Lowry, duh. Um, he's not poking fun and like trying to, he's not trolling him. He is mocking him. He is just, you know, taunting him. There's, there's a little bit of a difference. It's a line, it's a gray line. I think Zebo's was a little bit eh, uncalled for, you know. Yes, you're about to go in and score the like your team's fifth or sixth try of the match. Don't rub it in, okay? Don't rub it in. You know, more it's uh, and Marlowe's with more. Hey Glasgow, you're stupid. You you're not paying attention. The call's been already made. And by the way, even if you scored this try, you're not going to win the match, and you're not even leading. So calm down. That was kind of more what I thought Marlowe and Billy were going for in their uh, mock celebration last week. And in fairness to Zebo, he realized what he had done was kind of a dick thing. Apology for the language. And went back, apologized to uh, Lowry, shook his hand, said, hey, <laughs> my bad, that wasn't right. And um, when I think Nigel Owens came over and had a word to him about it as well, because Nigel's the type of guy that doesn't want that stuff going on while he's on the field. And Zebo immediately apologized. He, he, I think he regrets Every every little thing about the finger point immediately. So um, 
lesson to everybody at home. <laughs> you might regret things real quick. Don't do them if you even have a question. <laughs> Saracens at Lyon. As we know, big Saracens fan sitting right here on the mic. It was a, um, a very clinical performance from Saracens. They were out. Nick Asique, they're out. Alex Lazowski, don't understand what the suspension was for, but that's not here or there. Um, no Asique, no Billy, no Mako. I thought Richard Barrington played a pretty darn good game in terms of rugby go, how rugby goes. I thought Nick Tompkins played an amazing game in um, Alex Lazowski's uh, stead. Leon just, you know, I think they're, they've been a little overmatched in this competition. They have some players that have played in this before. So it's not like they're totally lacking experience. This is the first one, and they're having a little bit of a rough time with it. I'm not sure that they were ready for what was coming at them. I think um, I think Cardiff sucker punched them a little bit, and then they walked into a team that's won this competition two years in a row recently. So I think they were a little unlucky. Uh, it was a it was. A match that could have gone either way it's at one point in, in the middle, uh, but eventually Saracens just overpowered him. Uh, Morrow with the strip. Woo! Anybody that didn't see this, Morrow basically took it, took the ball from, I don't remember who it was on Leon, just grabbed it right out of his hands. He was tackling him, and they slipped into the slipped his arms to the ball, ripped it away from him, ran it in from about 40 meters out. It was a great try. And to be fair, Morrow just... Very quietly shook hands with all his teammates. Didn't do any celebrations. So, you know, anybody that has a problem with Morrow, that's a thumb in your eye right there. But yeah, so I thought this. I thought this was a quality, quality win. They named Brad Barrett man of the match. The guy was doing what he does and just sticking his slightly crooked nose into everything. Had, an, had got himself another gash on his face to go with it. So, but I, uh, it was a great game. I was glad to see it. And. Um, Saracens, it was just very clinical. It wasn't a, um, it wasn't a special, special performance from Saracens. It was the type of performance that a lot of champions could put out, where they score a bonus point, and it doesn't look like they ever really got into third gear. You know, if they got into third gear, they never got into the top gear. That's for sure. Uh, Newcastle, Montpellier, Newcastle, Newcastle, Newcastle. Good for them. This was great. Uh, glad to see the Falcons that are finally kind of coming to life. It hopefully rolls into the premiership season and they can get this thing going. Um, as I said, Joel Hodgson was, has been just amazing for them. He's really, really done them done them proud, especially since Toby Flood has not been available. Uh, might might be making Toby Flood, um, you know, extra luggage at this point. You know, the the Falcons got going real quick. They kind they were just they were just in this thing from from the start. Uh, Graham got over in the corner for one, but that was after a nice break from another forward, I think, Green, maybe? But yeah, it was really, really nice looking, nice looking try to start the day, and it was, uh, yeah, Hodgson had every every bit of intent to make sure that this thing was going to be a close one, if not be a win, uh, and Montpellier it was not a, is not a pushover by any means. I think I spoke about it last week. You know, Mont- South Africa does Montpellier. They have a lot of current and or former Springboks, uh, not to mention Aaron Cruden playing at 10. I don't think he played there last weekend, but he definitely played um, He definitely played in this match. And when you have Aaron Cruden at 10 and then Ruin Pinar at 9, you probably have something going for yourself as a team. So, yeah. So the big talking point was at the end, the last try that Newcastle scored. They need they needed to try to take the win. Uh, the a three wasn't going to do them any good. Actually, no. Yeah. So they could have. So they needed a, they needed a score in either way, and they to give Newcastle credit, they just kind of walked it down the field, and it looked it looked awesome just to watch this this team work it down the field. Slowly but surely, going, going, um, and then. But before that, the Lago Molapolo yellow card. Now we all know that I'm not necessarily the biggest Lago Molapolo fan in terms of fantasy. This was harsh, and there was one given. There was a penalty given on Gary Graham earlier. He had made the tackle. 
we'll get to Lago in a second. He made the tackle, and this is the stuff I'm talking about when it comes to high tackles, and let's be a little sympathetic. Made the tackle, and the Montpellier defender held held himself up. I don't remember who it was. Apologies. And he slipped as the Montpellier player was trying to keep his feet and drive. And eventually, Graham gets up around the player's head, neck, shoulder area. and But this is after he's already made the initial contact. There's been no additional like shoulder bump put in there. He's just trying to make sure this guy doesn't make extra meters. And they call a penalty on him. I have no idea what Graham is supposed to do in that situation. Somebody please explain that to me. Please, please, please. I'm, I'm so baffled by what they're trying to do here. I really am. So, yeah, there was that. And then, so then following that, Lago Molopolo comes in and throw, throws himself into a tackle, and his arm slips up, and it gets the guy maybe in the chest, maybe in the shoulder, and slides up to the player's uh, neck area. Now, it was not intentional. It was, like, I'm pretty sure Lago was low, and that was just a really, really harsh yellow card, in my opinion. It did not look... Penalty at worst. I didn't think it was really anything, but penalty at worst to give him a yellow, I think, is just overshooting it. I get it. You want to change the behavior of these players, but you are punishing these guys way too harshly. And I agree. I agreed with the tip tackle back when they changed that to a red card because that was going to get somebody paralyzed automatically. That's not a good thing. We have to stop stuff like that. And I realize the brain, the concussions is the, is the next thing they're trying to cut down on. It's never going to happen to completely cut it out. But still, I think we need to be more sympathetic. So back to it. Mulapola gets a yellow card. And Falcons just continue to say, you know what? We're still getting this thing over the line. And they marched it down 39 phases. That is a boatload of phases. And Callum Schick gets over the line. I think it was there was a Montpellier prop that was very offsides, and I I'm hoping and I'm going to give the referee the benefit of the doubt that had he made the tackle and stopped Chick from getting over the line, the referee would have noticed this guy was very offsides because his hands were in front of the the post pads. Yes, I know it's a pain in the butt that those things stick out so far, it makes it easy to score tries on on the base of them, but rules are your hands have to be behind the line. You can't be in front on those, otherwise you're offsides. He was deliberately offsides trying to stop that try from being scored against that. But Chick got over the line. It ends up being a moot point. Awesome. I don't have to talk about it so much. Hooray. So good on Newcastle. They're looking they're looking good. I'm glad I'm glad to I'm glad to hear that. And I was glad to see that they got it over. Okay, last two. Cardiff and Glasgow. Uh, you know, Glasgow, I think we're really angry after not getting anything out of that Saracens match because they came out hard in this one. Uh, DTH Merva was a stormer. He had a complete, complete performance. Adam Hastings had another great performance. Hastings ends up with the man match. DTH Merva was just cutting this team up, though. Obviously, Hastings helped him. Uh, if DTH didn't set up, and or score at least three tries, then I'm really, really just giving him so much credit because he's a fellow North American, but still looked pretty good. Um, Cardiff, wow, they did not look like they were. I think they forgot to show up. Handling errors left and right. They had one good They had uh, one good finisher, and that was Summerhill. He, he finished two, one near the beginning and one near the end. You know, Anscombe was doing everything he could. The man is, you know, is a world-class player for a reason. He was doing everything he could to get this team over the line. Could not do anything. Um, <laughs> a non-rugby note. This game was a little tough to watch only because I couldn't tell the teams apart all the time. The gray with blue shoulder, with the light blue shoulders of the blues you know, from the camera angle, made it a little funny when everybody got to shoveled on kicks and line breaks. With you know, it kind of <laughs> it blended quite well with Glasgow Sky Blues. So maybe next time somebody figure out what kits that 
these guys can um, wear. Just just a thought. Just a thought. So yeah, uh, it was. Anscom was obviously the standout for Cardiff, along with Summerhill being able to finish both of theirs. I thought the um, Matt, Matthew Morgan, who came in and tried to make some sort of impact when I think who came off Evans. Yeah. Evans came off with a hurt shoulder. So, but Hastings and DTH running over just carved, carved this team up. It was a, um, 29, 12 Cardiff win, uh, Glasgow win. Sorry. <laughs> Head fake. Uh, Glasgow win. They got the bonus point in the end. Um, <laughs> our boy Samu from the United States came on for Cardiff. Puts in a gigantic kick and ends up getting a decent result out of it with it way downfield. But really, in the end, Samo probably should have just passed it. Looked great because he's such a big fella. But next time, just pass it, Samu. You'll be okay. There was what I think the bonus point try that kind of sealed it for Glasgow. There was a question of whether or not Fagerson was offsides when Hastings put it poked it through. I don't think so. It looked to be. Clearly on side for Fagerson. Fagerson offloads to um, who? Do you, who do you offload to? Offloads to the big Johnny Gray. Like I said, love seeing a big old lock forward run, run for tries. <laughs> um, so it was a nearly complete performance from Glasgow. There were points where they kind of had their um, their composure get rattled a little bit, but they they certainly put in a good individual effort every time Cardiff. Cardiff was definitely not finishing things for sure. They just didn't have the concentration to get themselves over the whitewash. It was – they had at least four or five chances, I swear to God, that they squandered just by, just because they either didn't bring it to deck and they tried to acute offload or the final pass what just didn't go to hand. So um, I'm sure Cardiff will rue that and look forward to – when they play Glasgow, not only in the Pro 14, but also when they play them in the final two fixtures, one of, one of the final, final two fixtures here in Europe. Okay, Toulouse and Leinster. What a freaking day. Man, Was this was a crazy match. We have the two teams, the two clubs, that have got the most European titles, um, tied for the most European title. They have four each, I believe. Unless I'm remembering that incorrectly. Um, Giton made, made uh, I think it was it Larmer, made Larmer look real, real silly uh, for his try. If you didn't see the footwork from Giton, go back and watch. He is there, and then he, like, disappears. It, it probably rivals the scutter step. It was a great move. Maybe he can't repeat it again. And I, that might be blasphemy for <laughs> some Kiwis, but man, it looked good. You know, uh, Medar got this thing, got got them going. O'Brien got it. They there was a point where it looked like for sure that Leinster were going to get this thing, and but give Toulouse credit, they just kept pushing back. They kept pushing back. Um, they got in Sexton's face. They put pressure on the Leinster back line. The um. The kicking tee was going well for Ramos. He he hit five, and he probably could have hit more, really. But Madar got, Madar had two, and uh, Giton obviously he had his that looked good. Sean O'Brien's looked really good. I like the I like the way he looked with that one. Um, and Sean Cronin gets over again. <laughs> somebody somebody stopped a little hooker from scoring, but twenty eight twenty seven went for Toulouse. Toulouse certainly are declaring that they are not going to go down without a fight and that they are here to stay. Um, Leinster aren't necessarily going to be able to just walk through this, but keep this in mind, this was in France. This was not in Ireland. Toulouse still have to go to Dublin. So if they can put in a similar performance, I bet they get at least a bonus point out of it, if not more. But if they have any trouble whatsoever, in Dublin, then you can probably bet that these guys are going to have to settle for being one of the best runners up. So there's that. Um, so we'll, we're going to take a break from the podcast for a couple weeks. Uh, we'll come back. I think the next match 
is the week of the 17th, where the for the premiership, we'll talk about who to put in, who needs to, uh, who you need to replace, obviously. There's some injuries out there. I know my team's got a few that I'm going to have to deal with. I think I've got some, I think I've got enough cover for myself, but I certainly want to help you guys out. Um, I've done some more compiling of data, so that'll, that should help with the analysis going forward. And it's going to be, I think it's going to be very helpful. Um, I'm sorry that the European uh, fantasy isn't something I'm providing a ton of uh, insight into. you know, it's just not something that's as deep and or, you know, it, it's not if, if if it's not something that I have easy access to a lot of the stats, then I have to compile them myself by digging through certain websites and just going through the numbers bit by bit. And it's it's a long it's a, it's a long process. So uh, but just so everybody is. Um, aware that I, I'm not trying to mail it in. It's just I can only put so much effort into one thing. I do have other work I need to do. I don't make money off this. I just do this for fun. So uh, I will. you will hear a lot more in-depth about fantasy coming up with the Premiership Games, and we'll probably do a little bit of some sort of special talk uh, or maybe just a short conversation on the um, – internationals and i definitely 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 plan on having somebody at least one other person if not two other people maybe one might be a guest um one might be a guest here to um to bounce things off of so for those of you that have been waiting 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 for this podcast to get just a little bit more interesting and not listening to me drone on it will i will promise you that and if it doesn't you can send me an email um if you want to send me an email, it's uh, the podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can find me also on Twitter. I am J Dyke, D Y K E, eight, the number eight man, M A N. I am at J Dyke, eight man. So if you want to send me, if you want to follow me on Twitter and listen to my ramblings, my, uh, my, my rambling on there, it's not always rugby, but it's often rugby. Um, but for those of you that have continued to stick with us, thank you so much. And we'll see you in a couple weeks. I hope everybody enjoys their uh, the internationals that are coming up. And everybody has a good, has a good week. Thanks a lot. Cheers.